episode 86 starting now right now amazing we have commenced and chris and i we're far apart and i don't know if i can handle this chris well, hope you know. I think it's a one-time thing, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. But I'm not worried about it. Amy had some school stuff to do. We couldn't like tie our schedules together perfectly, so and we know how to set this up. So we figured let's do the whole Skype thing, and we'll get yep. you guys a podcast because we will do anything we can. That's what's most important to get a podcast out to the world. That's what we do. It's exactly. our life. I've told Chris so many so times we're gonna get it. that I can't handle a day that may come in our future. I, I don't know. I'm, we're going to put every ounce of energy for this day not to come. But the day that comes that we cannot put out an episode for one week, I may die physically. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we could have recorded tomorrow night. But, I mean, we really felt like everybody expects a Friday podcast right and we didn't want to delay it by a day so i thought this was a better option and i tell you what uh we used to release these episodes on like a tuesday wasn't it a tuesday yeah which i actually still think is what should happen but which we could do it's just that when we when we transitioned from a tuesday to a uh, a friday release gosh it hurt my soul to let it lapse and not give the people <laughs> what they want. In like two days. I know. It's just <laughs> the people expected it a certain day and we didn't provide, you know. So, well, you can let you guys can let us know if it bothers you too much, but it doesn't really matter because my guess is it's pretty rare that it's going to need to happen. Yeah. So, you know, but and you I, never know. And honestly, if we get ahead, I think if we get ahead on recording, we may start releasing on a Tuesday or a Monday or whenever you guys want. You know, hit us up in the whole social media thing. And tell us when you want the podcast released. Do you want it released on a Monday so you have the whole week to listen to it? Or would you rather have it released like we do on a Friday and listen to it the following week? I don't know. I don't make those rules. (laughs) So anyway, what did you guys all think last week? Because we did a pretty big podcast and I know there was a lot of people talking about it, excited about our top 20 80s comedies. Seemed to get a lot of traction and a lot of listens. So I'm curious just as to what people thought, because I have heard a lot of people talking about it, but I have not heard a lot of criticisms. I know. Isn't that weird? That's a good thing or a bad thing. I would have assumed right off the bat. We cover a lot of movies. So yeah, I would have assumed right off the bat, we would have got some serious criticisms on some of these movies that we either did pick or didn't pick for the, for the top 10, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I thought we were going to get a lot more feedback on this, but I think what happened, Chris, is that we basically nailed it. Well, I, I'm going to make that assumption. Yeah. I, we, we, we pretty much nailed every 80s movie where they should be in a top 20 list. And the Patreon episode is posted as of today. And you can also Ooh. go to patreon.com slash narfcomics and listen to honorable mentions. We had more than 20 picks, if you can believe that. Chris had like 47 movies written down. Yeah, so, there was probably, I mean, because we didn't do any repeats in the, in the Patreon. If you are like, oh, I want to hear your honorable mentions, but they're going to be ones that you picked that I didn't pick. 
we didn't talk about any of those. We had right. like, I don't know, probably another 10 or 15. Yeah, I had a few. I, our, I, I didn't pick as many as you. Tim didn't pick as many as you, but you had a significant amount of picks. And uh, yeah, you, you, you're going to get at least another 15 to 20 movies um, yeah. uh, on the Patreon episode. So that's fun. Check that out if you have it. If you don't, you know, subscribe. Exactly. And also, um, like you said, you could subscribe for as little as a dollar or five dollars to get our bonus podcast. Ten dollars. You can get a shirt or you can just order a shirt, too, as well. They're twenty dollars. So let us know if you want one of those. And brand um, new I know design. Jared's got some. Yeah, Jerry's got some. T- he's supposed to have delivered or be delivering that he hasn't done it. What I do, I've delivered um, two of the three. Okay, so there's one left. Yeah, there's one left that I have to deliver. Um, okay, so Chris, here's the deal. I can't get this out of my head. This whole hot dog controversy. The hot dog, more right. hot dog stuff. We did take some heat on the hot dog stuff. Listen, listen to me right now. I have spent the last week researching and testing hot dog cookery. And so you're like America's test kitchen now? I am. And I've done, I have cooked hot dogs so many different ways. Amy, my wife, has yelled at me about cooking so many hot dogs. And we have them in bags in the refrigerator right now because we're not eating all of them that I'm cooking. I've just, I don't know what I've done. But what I have figured out, I think I have figured out the best method, I guess, for me. Okay, I'm going to say this is the best method for me on how to cook a hot dog. And I honestly believe everyone should try this. It's a little extra work. Okay, so it's a double it's a double cook method. And I have figured out. Seems way too complicated for hot dogs. It's not it's not as complicated as it sounds, but it is is like a reverse sear on a steak. It is worth it is kind of like that actually. It's almost exactly that. So what I have done is I have poached, it's not boiling. There's a difference between boiling and poaching, Chris. I have poached a hot Wait, dog. What, it, what is the difference? Can you poach a hot dog? Oh yes, you can. So what's the difference? So boiling is boiling the the meat or a, or whatever you have in the pot. That means you're actively boiling. So it's hot enough to keep the water at a boil. A poach is where you bring the water up to a boil, turn it down, and it stops boiling. And then you put your food in. And it just sits in that hot water and poaches. There's a difference. So Is that different than a simmer? Yes, because the water is not moving whatsoever. It's kind of like what Tim said. It's different than a blanche? So Tim did that. Tim is poaching hot dogs and not boiling them because he said he brings the water up to a boil, puts the hot dogs in and turns it off. He's poaching them the rest of the time. That is what it's called. So I did that. I have poached them and then I tried it and I was like, yeah, yeah, these are fine. Tasted like a boiled hot dog. Then I poached them and put them on the grill. And that my friend, is the greatest hot dog I've ever had in my life. If you poach them for exactly eight minutes, 
I did it for eight minutes. Oh, wow. Eight minutes. That's a long time. It seems like it, but it's really not. You got to bring it up to temperature. So the deal here is if you can bring the internal temperature of the hot dog to 150 degrees and then put it on the grill and just like grill the outside of it, basically, because the hot dog's cooked and then you grill the outside of it. Once you eat that, you get the snap, you get the juiciness from like boiling it. It's full of juice, doesn't dry out and it doesn't like crisp, crisp up the skin as much as what it would if you just threw them on a grill. Um, it's just like you just lightly brown them basically and bring it out. You get the grill flavor that I like, but you get every other benefit from boiling it. And it's the best hot dog I've ever had. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that sounds amazing, but it's more work than I'll ever go through in my entire life to cook a hot dog. I can guarantee you that. And I don't know why I've been so obsessed with it, but I have because I just don't feel like boiling is the right way to go. And I don't necessarily think grilling as a whole is the right way to go, but you can blend these two and it makes it absolutely perfect. But what about an air fryer? Don't. I don't care about an air fryer. You can't air fry an a hot dog. Tenderloin. I took like, uh, I cooked like an entire, I didn't, but my wife did, entire like pork tenderloin in the air fryer for dinner tonight. And it was fantastic. It probably would be. I just think... put the whole thing in the air fryer, set it, turned it on for like, I don't know, 30 minutes or whatever it was. It's perfect. What's the difference between an air fryer and a convection oven? I don't think there is a difference, frankly. I really don't. I think it's the same thing. Right. I, they just like, it just moves around hot air and you got, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to bring that out. Like, a little, a little kiss of flame on the outside of this dog after you poached it for eight minutes. I'm telling you, it's the best dog you'll ever have in your life. So now, have that, you had any uh, sweet corn yet? Because it is fully sweet corn season. I had like six ears of it tonight. I have not. I did not stop by and grab any sweet corn yet, but I will. I'm going to basically take all of your corn. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. Pretty, it's good but they're very small ears and I do not, I do not think it pollinated very well. So there's a lot of missing kernels. Why, why is that? You think? Um, I don't know. I think it's just from, you know, after it got planted and it was really dry and then it was really wet. It was just like extremes. It, it took a long time to emerge and then really dry once it did emerge and then it kind of stunted its growth. That's what I was going to ask. Is it shorter than normal? It seems shorter than normal. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the field corn is shorter than normal. At least m most of mine is. Is it really? How, how tall is field corn normally? Give us a lesson here on how tall field corn should be. I mean, it can be, it can vary by significantly, variety. but, you know, like, yeah, by variety and by the growing year and everything like that. But, you know, usually it's well over your head, you know, eight feet tall. Yeah, I feel I've like had it's, it, I've had it. I feel like most of ten it's eight feet, feet tall, tall, eight to ten feet tall. Yeah, that's about like it's about right, eight to ten feet tall, and somewhere you, in that range. You don't think yours is? It's this is a, some of the shortest I've seen, other than maybe 2012, and I can tell pretty well because I spray fungicide uh, over tasseled corn, so 
This year, there's plenty of clearance. You can see easily in the cab, the boom clears the corn, no problem. And on a normal year, that's just not the case. Normal year, I've had it years when the corn is actually higher than the cab of the sprayer. Really? That's tall corn. Yeah. That's like real tall. Yeah, you're pretty much, yeah, you're pretty much just going completely blind at that point with a GPS light bar. No kidding, like a, like a, uh, a crop duster. I mean. That's what, that's what they use as a I light guess. bar when they fly yeah, over the corn. So yeah, that, I mean, that's what, that's what I use in the sprayer too. So. Hmm, I didn't know that. So you can't, like some years you can't actually physically see down the field. You're just like following yeah, a road. I mean, it's rare, but I've had it. I've had that happen before. Yeah. Wow. I've never done any of that. But not this year. You can see any, everything this year. I mean, it's really not tall at all. Well, it turns out, Chris, when you're five foot something, um, you really, anything above that, I, I, I don't know what that looks like. So I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, well, there you go. I mean, I, I doubt the extra like six inches taller than you that, <laughs> that I am is, makes that big of a difference when you're looking at eight foot tall corn, but... I don't know. I mean, I'd take a solid six inches. <laughs> um, I'm sure you would. No, I will every day. Uh, so Chris, I'm uh, drinking these. I'm having a, a drink of Bushlight Apple. You can see it on the camera. Oh yeah, here. and I think everybody's seen the uh, review, the big review from uh, whatever that dude's name is. Uh, you the, betcha, dude. The you betcha guy. And here's the deal. I'm not a huge cider guy. I'm not. I, it, they're all way too sweet for me. They leave like but a. But that's not cider, right? That's just an apple flavored beer. It is. And it, it tastes. Well, that is completely different than cider. You're right. It is. But there are other apple flavored drinks, I guess, that, were, that are beer, right? I thought like um, Angry Orchard and so. those are. Well, Reds is. It's called itself Apple Ale, so I guess that's a beer. Right. Uh, I don't know about Angry Orchard. I think that's a hard Angry cider. Orchard might be a hard cider. Yeah. yeah. So this one, yeah, it's just it's just Bush Light, I guess, flavored like apple, and I would say that that is accurate, but I would also say that it is sweet. So my review of this would be that it's not as sweet as, as any of the other apple things that most people have drank or that I have drank, but it is a little too... I, I wish they could dumb it down a little bit just because it's like a hard tang. It's very good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very good. Did you have any of this on, on Saturday when we were together? No, I did not. I did not try any, no. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not huge. I mean, I hate to be... The bear of bad news to everybody in the world, but I'm not a huge Bush Light fan in general. Um, well, I know, but it's a different so variety. I never really, I, yeah, I know. I just, I've never really had an inkling for apple. I don't like anything else apple flavored, really. You're not, I'm not an actually apple a huge guy. fan of apples themselves. Okay. We had this discussion actually, and you said if you had a strawberry banana, Bush Light, you would try it. <laughs> yeah, banana. Or I actually said banana flavored. Yeah, you just I would said take banana. a banana beer. That <laughs> yeah. is awful. That's horrendous. <laughs> well, 
You should never. Is do it that. really though? I mean, I mean, banana kind of goes with everything. Nope, nope, it doesn't. You don't put banana on pizza. I mean, but you don't put apple on I, pizza. I would have either. banana on pizza. No, you wouldn't. I would have banana. You don't put beer on pizza either. But they it, go to, well together. Yeah, it's paired, Chris. Yeah. Well, anyway, what I was gonna say is like, it's good. Um, I can drink a couple of them, but it's nothing I would do. I would drink like a regular beer, you know, and it, it, it is very tasty. It's just, it's, it's just fine to me. I, I'm not going to blow it out of the water and say, holy smokes, jump on this trend. If you want to try it, go for it, but you're not, it's not going to taste really any different than the other ales, except it's not as sweet. It doesn't leave like a, weird like sugary film in your mouth it's very clean and crisp and that's fine but i can only drink maybe two or two of them yeah well that's i guess that's not a bad thing if they're smart what they'll do is they'll leave it out for a couple months and then they'll take it away for a year and just like bring it out like every for a couple months every year well they claim it's going to be a limited release but i feel like it's going to be just like summer shandy where that was a limited release for the summer and now it's just out all the time yeah, and also dog shit. I mean, it's fine. You, I've seen you drink them. I know, and I don't like them. They give you the gut rot. Yeah, they do. You're right, and I think this would too. I really do think this one would as well. If you constantly drank this, I just I wouldn't suggest it myself. But it's fine. If you want to buy it, go ahead and buy it. I think you'll enjoy one or two of them, and then it'll sit in your fridge for a month. There you go. All right, Jerry, you got any news? Let's move on with this. Oh, my gosh, do I have the news, Chris. There has been a lot of things happening over the last week. Um, NBC Universal had its its own app come out, right? Its own streaming service. You You mean the Peacock? I'm talking about the Peacock. Peacock came out, and apparently, what I was reading, in its first week, um, its performance is not the greatest. And have you heard of Quibi? Um, No. What is that? Refresh me. It sounds familiar. Yeah, so Quibi came out as this platform where it was releasing shows, but it was like short clips of shows. So they were like designed to be shorter episodes, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, Okay, short things like that. And they were putting up their own uh, shows and different stuff. And they were, they were adding shows to it. And that it was supposed to be this like for on the go people. And it's only a phone platform. So you can only have it on your phone. And they were claiming like this is, like I said, for people on the go. The problem with Quibi is that it released right when this whole COVID thing is happening and everybody was at home. So the only way you can watch this is on your phone and nobody wanted to do that at home. So it's failing miserably. And Well, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like a terrible concept because... I think what we're finding out is that people prefer longer form content. I think that for the longest time, people thought, 
and I, I guess I shouldn't say that I know TikTok is really faint or, you know, popular and really short videos like that. Yeah. I guess people are liking, but I know they found a lot with YouTube videos. Originally, they thought, hey, five minutes or less. It's got to be under five minutes for anybody to watch it. And now what they're finding out is people are more inclined to watch the stuff that's 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes plus, you know, and even with shows and podcasts, you know, it's not an accident that Joe Rogan took off with two, three, four hour long content. That's or I think people are or yeah, or snarf talk. I think people are thirsting more for the long form, Um, long form, less editing. More time. I think that's a big thing is the editing, like less editing, less commercials. You can watch a show for 30 minutes or, or an hour or even two hours without having like interruptions, ads, things like that. Quibi decided to do it a little bit shorter. So what I was getting at is that Peacock's performance in the first week had 1.5 million downloads. And Ooh, that's that's not very good, is it? No, Quibi came out with 1.3 million downloads, and that has been an epic failure. Um, so Peacock got 1.5, Quibi was at 1.3. To put it in perspective, Disney Plus came out and had 13 million. And this is in six days. I said a week, but this is six days. Right. So 13 million I mean, for Disney Pe- Plus. Uh, it's not even comparable. Yeah, I mean, I just don't really understand, like, the whole, I I get the Peacock thing, like, first of all, it just presupposes that anybody, like, really has any idea anymore that NBC's mascot is a Peacock. I mean, I know right. that, but I don't think a lot of people know that or care. <laughs> no, you're right. So I just think it's very odd to name your channel that in the first, in the first place, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see why. Why wouldn't they have their own? So I it, feel like that would just be better if, if, you know, like CBS, their app is called CBS. If they, they should have just called it NBC. Yeah. I, or like NBC Universal. If you just call it right. the NBC Universal app, and that covers like the whole gamut of what NBC has. The big problem here is that NBC Universal owns a lot of stuff that has overlapped with Netflix. Uh, and, so Netflix has a lot of the same shows on it as NBC Universal, and so people don't need to purchase a new app when they're already getting some of that content on and Netflix. Now the their contract with them will end, and it'll only be on NBC. But at this point, why why get it when you're getting it on another platform? And I think that's what I mean. Happened. I understand. I understand that there's outliers like The Office and Parks and Rec have been huge on Netflix. But I think for the most people, most for the most part, people want original content because right. I, I get it at one time, you know, HBO and Netflix, like the a big draw was their content catalog. But now there's so many streaming platforms and people are getting so much through Prime, which most people probably already have. Um, that I think they're less concerned about what kind of old content is on there that they can rewatch. And I think they're definitely more concerned with original content. I mean, that w- that's my opinion. I, no, wrong. I agree with you. But, I think that is the case. And uh, I, I don't know. But so Peacock's kind of failing. 
uh, Quibi has already failed because at the moment they only have, so of the 1.3 million downloads, they only have 80,000 subscribers at this point. Oh, and wow. it launched a little less than three months ago. So okay. uh, it's, it's basically dead in the water and going to fail. And they put a ton of money into this thing and it is going to fail. Uh, you can assume because with 80,000 subscribers, how can you last? Right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just costs how much, how much does it, does it cost and how much does you cost you to make the content? Right. And I don't know what they put into it, but I know, um, it was a lot of money. So then with, on the other side of this with, uh, HBO, so HBO had HBO max come out. Um, and, Eight, the total HBO subscribers to date right now is 36.4 million HBO subscribers. But only 4.1 million of those subscribers have downloaded HBO Max. And Well, I think HBO Max, and I, I mean, I, I just got it about two weeks ago. And, you know, for the most part, I guess I have no complaints because it costs exactly the same amount as my HBO subscription cost. Um, my biggest complaint right now is that I can only watch it on my Xbox. I can't watch it on my Amazon Fire Stick or Roku or any of that. And that's what I was going to bring up. Though. That this is that'll change. This is the problem that they had though is that it's not available to a lot of people. A lot of people had a really hard time getting it. And and for me right now, I have uh an HBO Now or Go HBO Go or Now one of the two HBO Now. Yeah, you can't use the same email no it's super it's super annoying i i can't use the same email to get hbo max that i had for hbo now what are you thinking doing that like they they've they've literally put up a like when i try to subscribe to it they put up a thing it's like it's not available to you and you're the one who told me oh no you got to use a completely separate email to get that well screw you hbo max i'm not going to do that well, I mean, I did it. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I think it's stupid, and that's why they're not getting the subscribers. No, to, I, like, I think over. it's stupid. But, I mean, just to say a little bit more about it, I've been a little underwhelmed by, you know, it doesn't, yes, there's some more stuff on there than there was on HBO. Not much that I'm interested in, honestly. The only stuff I'm really interested in is the stuff that was on HBO, and, and I would... In the DC, I'm in, already in the bag for it. I'm an HBO fa- fan. I'm already in the bag for it, so it it doesn't make one bit of difference either way to me. So I guess I'm glad I got the extra content. You know, obviously it'd be, it's I'll get rid of it if they don't figure out how to make it work on an Amazon Fire Stick. I can't imagine it's going to be long before that happens, though. Well, and it doesn't make sense that it doesn't work on an HBO or on a Fire Stick because HBO Now did. So right, no, it, I mean it's clearly something stupid going on it is a very nice looking app it does crash though quite a bit or refuse to show you know stream which is really annoying well and i had that issue with it um uh, with hbo now i had that issue where it wouldn't load or it would crash every once in a while and that was happening on the fire stick when i downloaded hbo now so it doesn't surprise me that this one does but you would figure at some point they'd fix that so I don't right. know. I think they got some things to fix. They do have the DC Universe stuff. Uh, there's two separate apps right some now. Some of it. 
Well, some of it. They you got can, some stuff, not all of it. You can assume that it's going to switch over. I mean... You know, we'll see. All right. So, talking about Quibi, um, they... <laughs> I don't know why they're trying to make new content when they basically know they're failing, but maybe this will bring them back into the world of, like, pop culture. But uh, Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds are reuniting to have a, an original Quibi show, um, and it's animated. And the name of this is going to blow you away. Because it did okay. me, and this is the only reason why I put it as a news story. Um, it's called Fother Mucka. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's with Samuel L. Jackson acting as a primary caregiver to Ryan Reynolds. After Ryan Reynolds is like wounded somehow, um, and like judging, I would say judging from the title of the show, there will probably be a lot of profanity involved. Oh yeah, and different hijinks. If you've had, if if you've watched the, there's a movie, the Hitman's Bodyguard, right, where they were in. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen it either, but they were in a movie together like that. And I think it's stemming off of that. I think they are basically the same characters from what I read. Oh, okay. It seems like the same characters. And Ryan Reynolds is absolutely like infatuated with Samuel L. Jackson and Samuel L. Jackson could care less about Ryan Reynolds. That's basically the, the dynamic of the show. Sounds like uh, what would be reality as well, too. Father Mucka. um you know sounds cool unfortunately i I don't know that any you know i hate to say this because there's lots of original content that isn't like genre specific but for me to like pay for an extra service it's got to have like a big name like a marvel or star wars or yeah or something along those lines that's gonna draw me in but i i know that's or something comic book related and we aren't everybody. We aren't, kind of same, we aren't the same demographic as a lot of people, but uh, I think yeah. the majority of people on this earth right now are, are uh, in that realm. And yeah. it, this, I didn't ask for a Father Mucka. No, but if I got it for free, I'd probably watch it. Yeah, well, it won't be. You got to pay for Quibi. <laughs> so. so we'll, well, we'll see. Then I'm not going to. We'll see how that goes. Um, I do like Samuel Jackson, though. I think he's fun. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is. is fun, too. I mean, he's done a really good job with De- uh, Deadpool. I mean, he made that happen. Yeah. But this, I mean, I like him in pretty much everything. I mean, I like the original Green Lantern. I thought it was pretty good. I don't know why all the hate for it. I really don't Honestly, either. it's not bad. And I he, think it's better than Justice League or any of those. Well, it's funny you should say that, Chris. I have some news about the the Justice League. Would you like to hear it? Yes, absolutely. The Snyder Cut of Justice League. Um, we it's all dead. know... It's dead in the water. It is not dead in the water. It is absolutely happening. And uh, Scott Snyder had said, like, the original cut of this that he had was going to be 214 minutes long. Okay. That's all. It's a pretty long movie. 
Yeah, that's what's three hours? That'd be three um, hours is 180 minutes. Correct. So this is like four hours long? Almost. Well, it is going to be about four hours long because he said the, uh, the original guesstimate that he had at 214 minutes was underestimated, and it's most likely going to be longer than that. And he said... So it's basically two movies, which is what it was supposed to be from the beginning, I believe. Right. And he said that he, he guessed it at 214, the cut that he has right now is very long. It will be drawn back a little bit, but he knows for a fact it's going to be over 214 minutes. So you can figure 220 to 230. I mean, 240 I really minutes understand. is four hours. I don't understand how much more you can add because, like, first of all, unless they're bringing in Darkseid and going to do that whole other villain, but there's no way that's done. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But they are putting another $20 million into this thing, so. Yeah, but that doesn't seem like enough to introduce a whole other CGI-based character. They, maybe they already rendered it. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. So he didn't specify in the article how long it was going to be because, you know, you can't at this point because there is, the, he's still editing, editing it down. but. Um, it's going to be longer than 214 minutes. So we may have a, almost a four hour cut of the, the Snyder cut of justice league, which I'm going to watch every ounce of that. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely going to watch it the whole thing, but you know, I hope they get rid of, rid of a lot of the original (laughs) movie in the process. No, I agree with you. And I think, I think with all of these different streaming apps, you're going to see more of this. I think you're going to see more of the really long director cut footage type movies because you can do it on a streaming service. You've already bought the streaming service. Whether you watch it or not is irrelevant to them. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot more of this because it's possible to do on a streaming app because more people are willing to sit at home to watch that amount of movie over the course of a week rather than you, you can't go to a movie theater and watch that. So right. I don't see the downside in this. I think you can play it as like a series. People sit down for tw- like 15 hours for a right. TV series. So what's the difference of a four hour movie? No, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in for sure. I just thought that was crazy that, because you don't normally see a four-hour movie or see anybody that even comes close to that, but I do believe we're uh, we're going over the hill to four, maybe five-hour movies, maybe ten-hour movies. Hey, I I I think that's a uh, a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, I I'm we're we're gonna be there regardless. So did you know? I think we've talked about it before, but there's going to be this whole like remake of Godzilla vs. King Kong? Uh, yeah, we talked about it briefly before. Just mentioned that it was happening, but I don't know anything about it. Me either. They still haven't really released anything about it, but they did release a new photo from the movie. They just released a still-framed image of Godzilla and King Kong fighting on an aircraft carrier. And it looks amazing. 
No. <laughs> um, seems like an odd place to find yourself fighting. Well, Godzilla comes out of the water, so it's not that. I guess, but I think he's like way bigger than an aircraft carrier, right? Well, I know, and, and me saying that like makes it seem smaller, but they're literally, uh, I mean, four times the size of this aircraft carrier, and it's basically like blowing apart underneath of them. Um, oh, okay. But they are fighting. Godzilla's literally standing directly on top of this thing, and King Kong is... It looks like he's jumping. I don't know, but he's got a fist up in the air ready to punch him. It looks sweet. I'm always in the bag. But what I wanted to find out from you and from everybody else is who do you honestly believe should win a fight between Godzilla versus King Kong? So the original one, King Kong wins. Beats the shit out of Godzilla and he runs away. Doesn't kill him. I've always been a Godzilla fan. Forever. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of either, to be honest. I guess um, I'd be more of a fan of King Kong over the years. Mm. But if I had to pick, I would definitely say Kong is coming down with that every day. Every day, you think that? Yeah, I just think uh, there's more versatility in a primate. And he's quicker. Godzilla always just seems like he's very slow and not able to move well, not very flexible. Very cumbersome, but I believe yeah. that was designed because it was a man in a rubber suit. <laughs> well, right, but that's the only real iteration I have to go off of. I haven't seen the new one, so I don't know what he's like in that. Ooh, you should. I haven't seen either of the new two, basically, the Brian Cranston one or the new newest one. So I don't know what he's like in these new iterations. Maybe I would change my mind, but I'm going off of old King Kong and old Godzilla. Hmm. I can understand that. I, I'm a Godzilla guy, and I just really don't see how you can overpower Godzilla. He's. I mean, you can. Well, punch one thing him. I would say is he can shoot. He can shoot like flames out his right. Yeah, Doesn't it's like flame breath. It's like lightning flames. It's like. And he can do, like, ice, too, can't he? Oh, yeah. He can do ice, and he can do this. It's, sometimes he has, like, a blue lightning that comes out, and sometimes it's, like, a red lightning flame thing mm. that comes out of it. Yeah, these are, adding, these are adding into his column as potential weapons. And as long as he can charge up those scales on his back, or plates, if you will, like a Stegosaurus plate, as long as he can charge those up and get really pissed off, I mean, King Kong's dead. He's dead. All right, you've you've convinced me. I'm 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 flipping sides here. I'm going with uh, Godzilla now. I mean, and he's got that tail he can whip around. His arms are a problem. <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got some short arms, but you know what? Yeah, I've he's... been short all my life, and I'm still capable. You know what? I'm going back on it. I'm going back to Kong. I feel like the flexibility, the strength. And the you would you know the speed the speed and the flexibility got to be the huge issues right? I get it. You're right. He does have all you got to get. All you got to do is get out of the path of whatever direction Godzilla's head turns in, and then you're good to go. And to be honest, if you look at this photo that I was talking about, it looks like King Kong's literally just going to smash his head in with a fist. Yeah, but I just don't think like I don't think you can do that with Godzilla. 
I really don't. Can I take Mothra? Um, no, she's not in the movie. Sorry. Oh, damn. You really do need to watch that other movie, though. Uh, what's it called? I'm surprised you're saying Monst- that because you didn't say it's called uh, God's Monster Gods or something. Gods and Monsters. Gods and Monsters. Mothra was awesome in that movie. Um, you basically told me it wasn't very good, so I didn't even try to watch it. It was fine. I mean, it's it's a monster movie, right? Like, I'm not going to say it's something that everybody should go watch or see. It To me, it was very fun. I liked it. I just didn't think there was enough Godzilla in the movie. I think that that's where they always fail, is that they try to hide him and... Like, ooh, it's so scary. Yeah. Godzilla's coming around. Maybe he pops up over here. Maybe he pops up over there. Like, just put the, put the freaking monster in the movie. That's what I, I want to yeah. see him wreck was- a town. I want to see him shoot that blue or red lightning. And that's it. Like, that's what I want to see. They just shoo- showed a lot more, like, different monsters that I didn't want to see. But it was a pretty good story at the end between Mothra and Godzilla, if that, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like a good story between two monsters, but it was. Yeah. I think it's called Godzilla King of Monsters, right? Yes. You are right. Okay. All right. What else you got? Uh, Let's see. Where am I at here? We'll move on since we've decided King Kong would win. Right. Godzilla is the winner. Um, Taron Edgerton. You ever heard of this guy? I do. I have heard of that guy. Yeah. A lot of people have. He was... um, I believe he's Elton John's son, right? <laughs> um, no? Basically, I think he was a version of Elton John. Ah, you're right. He is the Rocket Man himself. So yeah, and he's in uh the Kingsman, right? He was big in the Kingsman franchise, which has been, I don't know, it's like three movies now. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen either of the sequels. If there are more than one, I don't know. I haven't either. Yeah, there is a third one. I don't know if that's out yet, but there is definitely. I yeah, is. I don't think it. I don't think it's out yet. But they are definitely doing three. There's already been two out. He's very good in them. He was also in a movie called Eddie the Eagle. Oh, yeah. Um, he was Eddie the Eagle. Um, the Eagle, yeah. Uh, so it, this story caught my eye because it's about Tetris. It's a Tetris movie, and it's about the creator of Tetris. And Taron Edgerton is playing the creator of the game is, is he russian um you know i never wrote the guy's name down because this isn't what this because tetris is about. was a russian a russian game i believe the whole story is about how this man made tetris somebody tried to steal the rights to it and it's like a big legal battle between him and this other company oh, keeping the rights God, to do the we game. need more legal battles Come so on. dumb this is not where i'm going with it that to me <laughs> Like Tetris is fine, a movie about Tetris, you can keep it, put that away. But what caught my eye is that at the end of this article, it said the next movie that Taron Edgerton is doing is a remake of Little Shop of Horrors, and oh yeah, he's playing the florist like Seymour uh, Kilborn, Kilborn, Kilborn. But this is Rick this- Moranis. Well, Rick Moranis, yes. But it's also starring Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, Billy Porter is the voice of the uh, 
plant, Audrey. Who is Billy Porter? He's, he's been in a lot of stuff. You, you'll have to look him up. Look up his name. Uh, he's done a lot of voiceover work. He's done some acting, but he's done a lot of uh, musical scores as well. Um, pretty famous guy. There's no way this is going to be a theatrical release, right? Or is it? Yes, it is. And it guess who's directing it? Oh, Mr. Berlanti. Greg Berlanti is directing this movie. That's very odd, right? Isn't it? Isn't it weird? But I'm as soon as I saw the people that are going to be in this movie and Greg Berlanti directing it, I'm in. I'm going to throw my money at this. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would probably see it regardless, just because I like musicals. Assuming it's going to be a musical, um, I'm actually never been a huge fan of. uh, What do you got going on over there? Oh, Amy's looking at me through the door and looking all shocked. Like, oh, I get to see the podcast, and I told her to come in, but she didn't. Oh, um, I've never been a huge fan of Little Shop of the Horrors, to be honest. I know that's crazy. What? People love Little Shop of Horrors. I don't know why. I, I mean, I like it. I think I've just seen it too many times. You know what I mean? Is there too many times to see that movie? Feed me see more. No, I mean, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. I love it, but I don't know. I don't need to see another one, I guess, is my only No, point. Chris. Apparently, you don't love it because you're saying you don't need to see another one with Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, and Taron Edgerton. Yeah. Okay. You, you made your point. I'll watch it. I know you will. I know you're going to watch it because it we're like going to talk out about on it. Disney Plus. If it came out on Disney Plus or something, then I'd be totally in. But well, I wouldn't doubt if this came out on the CW because Greg Berlanti basically owns the CW. Right, that's true. Yeah, so if it comes out on HBO Max, I'm in. So if if any of you aren't uh, aware, Greg Berlanti or the Berlanti verse is like the CW show, The Flash, Green Arrow. Uh, what is it? Uh, just air. Batwoman. Batwoman. Um, Black the, Lightning. Yeah, what's the other one? I'm not. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, there's there's more that we're not even thinking about. But. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of shows, and he's done... Supergirl. Yes, Supergirl is a big one. He's done a lot of good things for the CW because uh, they were basically a dying franchise before this. Yeah, they were like a day away from getting that, like hiring the frog back. Going back to being the hello, double, my double, baby. Double, hello, baby. my darling. Hello, my ragtime girl. <laughs> I know somebody I, in that meeting's like, let's pick the most obscure Looney Tunes character that we yeah, can find. Yeah. I mean, we could use Bugs Bunny, but let's use that frog. You know, it's like, what about the duck? No, nobody likes a duck. Uh, all right. How about the pig? We all like the pig, right? Mm. Let's get the amphibian. Let's get the frog. Yeah, let's get that frog that he, sings in that weird Broadway voice. He wears that cute top hat. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad they didn't go with Porky Pig because he's super annoying. Oh, you, 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 you betcha. I can't stand that, dude. Get it? You get what I just did there? I, I, did, I did get it. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, Greg Berlanti, um, I will, we will all be on the lookout for 
a little shop of horrors. And not Tetris, because I don't give a shit about a Tetris movie. <laughs> I can tell you that Tetris. right now. That sounds really dumb. I mean, unless there's some. I, mean, I think there could be a, a cool movie like within the game of Tetris, like Tron. Like it was like Tron, but based around the game Tetris. That could be cool. Like you get sucked in, and there's yes. like different shapes crashing down, but you're on the bottom. But you can control them. You get a joystick. I I like that idea, and I think you should write that. Um, you need to write that movie down, and we're gonna copyright it. Copyright Snarf Talk right now. Tetris movie. In the game, Tron, copyright. Yeah. Um, but that's not what they're doing. They're going to do the whole legal side of things where people battle over the rights. Well, people love legal drama, so there you go. Mm, do they? The worst part of Law & Order was the court scenes. The best part was catching the criminal. Dun, dun. That's it? That's all you get? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the music. Dun-dun. No, that's not the music. It's just the... That's Whatever, that's what they do like between the scenes when they're like switching from the cop to the prosecutor. They'll like switch and they'll be like, dun-dun, and then they'll go to the next like scene. You're right, but that's not the music for Law & Order. No, it's like... It's a great theme song, really. But we gotta yeah, end, a horn. You gotta end it with created by Dick Wolf. They don't actually say that, but that's how I've always read his name. Oh. You know what? You still you do you hear it in your head, don't you? Yeah, when you see that every time I see it, I'll be like, "Dick Wolf." Yeah, my I man. I think he's done every single legal show ever made. My man, Dick. I think he did. I think he did Boston Legal too, and that's like one of the best. It is ever. one of the best. There was a lot of people in that show too. Um, oh yeah, James Spader. James, Sp- that's what made James Spader till he came um, out on the blacklist. And uh, what was what's the dude's name? Uh, Captain Kirk himself is on there. Oh yeah. Um, wow, that's really <laughs> sad that I can't think of his name. It uh, shouldn't to, be surprising to, move on. to anybody that I can't think of his name. But um, that one guy, didn't we meet him? We saw him, yeah, right? We did. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really unfortunate. <laughs> It is? No, that we can't think of his name. Oh. It's really sad. I thought you meant it was like unfortunate that we met him. I was like, no, nah, I don't really think it is. Anywho, so the boys, you heard of this show? I've been talking about it a lot. I have. They have already been blessed with a third. William Shatner. Come on, William Shatner. Oh, William Shatner, yeah. What are we doing in our lives? I don't know. That's your Old job Bill. to remember that stuff. Um, All right, go ahead. So the boys boys have already been blessed with a third season. It's been written off. They're like, yep, you get a third season, and we don't care what happens. They had this, apparently they had a Comic-Con, and it was called Comic-Con at Home Panel. That's what they called it, because it was like a web version. Mm. Thanks, COVID. Um, and they were 
they like said, yeah, the third season for uh, the boys. But what they also released is that they are adding an after show, kind of like The Walking Dead did with Chris Hardwick. Okay. They're adding an after show um, with Aisha Tyler. She's going to host it. Oh, I like Aisha Tyler. Yeah, she's in Archer. Um, if you have never watched Archer, you should. Um, it's going to be titled Prime Rewind, Inside the Boys. So that's the after show. And what they're going to do is that uh, the after show is going to debut on August 28th uh, with a look back at season one. So they're going to go through every episode of season one, and that'll continue on until September 4th when the second season starts. So the second season starts and airs September 4th, and every day after September 4th, they will have an after show episode air about that certain episode. Mm. And I think it's kind of a good idea. Yeah, I don't think I'll watch it, but whatever. That's fine. I mean, I'll probably tune in. I never watched the after show with Chris Hardwick. I did a couple times, but it wasn't anything special. But um, I'll probably just kind of like flip it on to see because it's this is streaming. This is all streaming stuff. Right. You know, it's not like you have to catch it when it airs. Yeah, I you guess, can I go guess back why not? I check it out. It's got a kind of a rather unfortunate name. I, I can't believe that made it out of the. Yeah, the, the yeah. initial uh, group. It's uh, what did Inside I say? Inside the boys. Oh goodness, I didn't <laughs> even catch that. So yeah, yeah, it's it's prime rewind, and then colon. <laughs> I don't even want to say it again. Full emphasis on the colon. <laughs> yeah, right? colon inside the boys, inside the boys colon. Yeah. Nope. I didn't I catch that's that. Good... That's bad. <laughs> um, and we're the first to report on this, so take that. Yeah. Wow. Take that as you will. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably watch it. I'll check into it because I like the behind the scenes or like people talking about episodes because you can catch, you can catch a lot more stuff about a show. I, mean, I actually I enjoyed wa- I enjoyed the Talking Dead. I really did for that's the most part. I. After a while, I quit watching it, but for a long time, I watched it and I, I didn't mind it. I never watched the one for uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or any of those. So that was um, um, think, that was like more of a, I wouldn't say, it's not a variety show, but like a talk show. You know, that was right, like a, def- an oh, interview. This is more of a documentary? I don't know. It, it just says oh. it, it's an after show, but all of this is pre-recorded, which I guess that was too, but I don't know if they're going to have guests. I don't know if it's what it's going to be. All I know is that they are going to do an overview of each episode of season one. And then once they get into season two, they're going to do the same thing for that. And you know what this tells me is that show must've been a lot bigger than I thought it was. Dude, it's you know? huge. It's yeah, but I never thought it'd be like Walking Dead size. I mean, there's hardly ever been a show as big as The Walking Dead. You know what I mean? You know, it, I agree with you, and it's really hard to do on a streaming service. I don't think you can have a show as big as The Walking Dead in the same platform as Amazon. Well, or but Netflix think about or, how many people have Amazon. That's the thing. It's like almost everybody has Amazon. So you're right. I think as long as it's on Amazon or Netflix. 
you're talking about huge, huge, huge amounts of people. You know, we were just talking about whatever um, Peacock having less than two million subscribers. Uh, even Disney, I now I think now is up to like fifty million or something. Yeah. You know, Netflix is like over a billion. It's got over a billion subscribers. Right. Amazon's probably in that same, probably not in that ballpark, but it's probably very high as well. When you figure, you know, I bet you, you know, anybody with a Prime subscription has it, basically. So I was listening to a uh, um, Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond episode recently, and they were talking about uh, the Old Guard, a movie that came out, a comic book that I read. And this movie, oh, which I've seen that movie. I, I was going to put that in, in my, uh, have you seen it yet? I haven't watched it yet. You can talk about it as much as you want. I'm still going to no, watch I'll it. I'll wait until you watch it. Well, I'm going to watch we'll it. We'll wait and we'll talk about it after you see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about that movie. And so the way Netflix rates things or, um, gets, you know, their statistics on a show is how many households that started watching that. And I guess in the first week, they had 73.8 million households watch this movie, or at least had started it. Holy cow. And it's sixth on the list. The highest is uh, Extraction with uh, Thor. That one's got like 96 million, 96.8 or something million households watched that movie, or at least played it. Um, so well, any- I'm not surprised by that. I mean, uh, Chris Hemsworth is a way bigger draw probably yeah. right now. I agree. I mean, Charlize Theron is also a huge draw. I mean, they both had huge numbers. So what do you mean? You're talking about a very small difference between the two. And right? there really is. But either way. So what they did was figure out, they were just figuring every household as one person, uh, like, uh, Kevin and Mark Bernard were on. Uh, Fat Man Beyond, and they were saying like if you put the the price of a movie ticket, and they were averaging it at like fifteen dollars, something like that. It ended up being like eight hundred million dollars in the first week. If you were to do it as right, a movie the problem ticket. is if that was in a movie theater, nobody would go. No, you're right. I understand that. I'm just saying like if you translate that to to movie theater type funding or money, that's what these movies are pulling in. And they do it that way. Like, they figure it that way. And they, they think, like, if you're going to put it out in, in a movie theater, you're going to make $800 million on this movie, which isn't the case in reality, but they base that off of it. So my big question here is, like, what, what benefit does Netflix have or what do they gain monetarily from people watching these movies? or even? What does the writer, Greg Rucka, so he puts out this movie, Old Guard, he already wrote the comic book, he's the writer of this movie, the movie comes out, all these people watch it, 73 million households watch it, and what, what, how does that make him money? People are paying for well, the he, subscription he, service, right? So they already, made, they already mo- made the money off these people. Most likely, all right. He, if let's assume he owned that content, it was creator owned. I don't know. It is, but no, let's it, assume that it is. Okay, then he sold the rights. That's how he got paid. He sold the rights. But that's to Netflix. A, that's a basis of money. The movie. That's like a, or it's not. It's whatever deal he made. But 
most likely, yeah, it was just a single amount of money. Most likely they gave him $20 million for the rights to make this movie or probably way less, probably $5 million, $1 million, you know? So, I mean, at some point they optioned the contract. That's how he got paid. So he's probably making nothing more of it. As far as Netflix, I mean, they make their money on their subscriber bases and they have to keep producing quality original content or else people will drop their subscriptions. That's the end of the thing. I mean, you got to think about it. This is peanuts. They have a billion subscribers giving them 15 or 10. Let's call it. What is it cost? Is it 12 bucks a month? It depends on how many people you or like what type of service you get. But I would I would average it. Let's say they average. the lowest I think is like eight ninety nine, and the highest I think is like fifteen ninety nine. So let's say it's twelve dollars. If they got a billion subscribers, let's make it easy. You're talking about twelve, 12 billion dollars a month in revenue. So yeah. to them, and, they can produce this old guard movie and make it look like a movie, right? And get movie stars in it. Yes. And they can produce this movie for what's a normal movie like that that's going to theater is going to cost? It's going to cost one hundred, hundred to one hundred fifty million. I would, for that movie, and I've seen it. It's it's an action movie, so an action movie is going to cost probably. Let's say they can make it for a hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. And then they're going to spend another hundred million to market it. And well, that's you know, the thing with this though is that they don't have a lot of marketing cost for these type of movies. There's zero. Because, there's basically no marketing expense because Netflix itself, the wall, is the marketing. Yes. I mean, people are in there. And they're in there browsing. That's a so big difference really with is streaming no is where they make their money is because marketing costs so much money for all of these theatrical released movies. They have to put up billboards. They put up posters. They put up signs. They put up, uh, you know, commercials, all this kind of stuff. Netflix doesn't have to do any of that. They, they, right. they don't market things very well, to be honest, but they don't have to. Because everybody flips on Netflix at some point in the next six months and, and can come across the fact that, oh, this movie may be coming out soon. And, and that's all they have to right. do. And all, you gotta, and all they have to provide is just enough, just occasionally enough, that it makes you not question the $12 a month that's going on your credit card bill. Right. And, and you know, that's and, how they do it. And that, honestly, there isn't a lot of content i go to netflix for that is an original content and i've kind of gotten to the point now where they've come out with enough and regularly enough that i'll probably never get rid of it no i never even thought about getting rid of it it's never crossed my mind it's it's i agree it's never crossed my mind i i don't think about that netflix is a mainstay amazon's a mainstay hulu could probably go at some point but they're making some things now. If they continue making movies, we I may keep them around because. Um, yeah, I mean they have they produce a lot of original content. Actually, they produce and a lot of good original content. Well, and the but and Dave, they had Dave the TV show that we obviously thoroughly well, technically, enjoy. No, that was on FX, but. But they don't they own that. I don't know exactly how that works, but you could you could have watched Dave on FX on FXX on cable, you know, if you wanted to. Yeah. But um, I I ended up watching most of it on Hulu. But yeah, I mean, Hulu could definitely go for me. The only reason I keep that is because it's cheap with my Disney Plus. Um, and for me, honestly, Disney Plus 
I'll never get rid of that. Um, and no. frankly, that's the first one I go to. HBO is one that I like, but I could go if I really want, like I could, if I want to be cheap, I can just like activate it for a couple months here and there. Right. Every several months. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I do. I, I cancel it. And that's kind of what I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I cancel it at random times and then go back and watch whatever the I want to watch. The thing about HBO because... is if it costs what Disney cost, then I would never get rid of it. But it doesn't. It costs but like it 15 doesn't. They're always more than everybody else. And I don't yeah. understand why they continue to do that. They they can do it on satellite or cable or whatever they want to do, like as a package deal. They can do that. But as a streaming service, I don't think that's a good idea at all. They got a new show on there that just came out uh, called Perry Mason. It's like a remake of the old Perry Mason TV show. Sure. But completely different and obviously a lot darker in tone and everything. And it looks cool. But, I mean, you got to look at what we got off of HBO recently. Watchmen, uh, new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Game of Thrones obviously just ended, but I mean, you can't I mean, take that stuff away from too. them. You're right. They, they, they're making good content. And, um, what's that r- religious one that would John go oh, righteous gemstones, righteous great. gemstones. Yeah. They make very good content. I just don't think it's, and it's very good quality. It's like, it, it's very high scale quality. It's just not to the point Oh, I don't know that Amazon it comes and, out often enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to the point of the Amazon one good and thing they do have on HBO that has the edge on a lot of stuff is they do get newer movies out. The kind, you know, they get rental right. movies out. So that's good. But so does Amazon. Yeah, but not, not as quickly and not as big of movies. You don't think so? You, I mean, to rent a movie for three or $4 on Amazon isn't worth it to people rather than pay $14 a month or. Um, yeah, you're probably right, but there's a lot of stuff I would never consider renting that I did watch like Ford versus Ferrari. I would never probably rented that. You're right. But since it's on HBO, I watched it and it was fantastic and I probably should have rented it, but I probably never would have. Yeah, no, you're right. That's I, the I could thing see with the draw. These rental prices. I've gotten out of, if the, if the, if I could rent a movie for three bucks, I would. But well, lots of times it's six bucks. I know, but I always, what I always do is think about the amount of money I, I would spend at a movie theater going to see this right, movie that. compared to staying at home in my own house and spending even $12. If I spend 12 or even 15, I could spend $15 and rent a movie. And that's less than a, the cost of one ticket most of the time. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then that I can pop my own popcorn that I already bought. I can drink whatever I want in my house. All of my family can watch this movie for the price of less than one ticket. And you're, you know, sitting at home though, and you're like, I don't want to freaking rent this movie for $10. Like, who do they think they are? But think about going and seeing that in a theater, you know? Right. That's true. That's true. It's a lot of money. So anyway, yeah, Amazon Prime after show. They're doing that. <laughs> uh, the last bit of news I have, one last bit of news, and it's our favorite man for eternity, Kevin Smith. Oh, Kevin. Good old Kevin Smith. I really do like him. If you listen to him on, on uh, 
uh, what's it called? Fat Man Beyond now. Like he, that's Some, basically the only thing I listen to of his. Something anymore. blew my mind. He tweeted today. Just it said, uh, "Do you want a podcast? Do you want a show?" From his song, you know, do yeah. you get your, your laughs on computer radio? And I never knew it was computer radio. I always thought it was Bermuda radio. Oh no, it's clearly always, computer. I always thought it was computer radio. Do you get your laughs from Bermuda radio? And I don't know why I thought that, but like, I, have I'd you heard ever about, gotten a laugh or heard of any Bermuda radio? Like, is yeah, that a thing? I've heard of Bermuda radio. It was a thing, and that's why I, it's a thing that I don't fully understand. But, um. It's a phrase that I've heard before, and that's what, I don't know why. That's what I thought it was. I'd never heard that phrase before. I always thought it was computer radio because that's what a podcast is. I don't know. I thought there was some movie called Bermuda Radio or like Pirate Radio or something. It was like some 60s. Pirate Radio, yes. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I, when I think Bermuda Radio, <laughs> you think of I pirates. was thinking of Pirate Radio. <laughs> That that's what I think. You know what I think of when I think of Bermuda? I think of uh that one lady that crashed her plane and uh, disappeared in the B- Bermuda Triangle. Or Amelia how Earhart. Do know, how do you know it disappeared there? It did. Everybody knows it disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. I don't think so. I yes, don't think that's where it's That's the story. Amelia Earhart flew through the Bermuda Triangle and disappeared. But then they have pictures of her being captured by people. Really? Who? Yes. I well, this isn't proven, but they have pictures of a lady that looks exactly like Amelia Earhart on this dock with her hands behind her back, like as a prisoner. And it's like it's fact. It's out there. You can look up. It these was pictures. the Bermuda Triangle. You're right. Yes. You want to know the top three That's theories? The story. Can we talk you about Kevin to- Smith first? No, no. We got to okay. talk about the top three theories for Amelia Earhart's disappearance. All right. This is this is written eighty years since she disappeared. All right. All right. Uh, it was nineteen thirty-seven when she disappeared. Holy smokes! Uh, theory one: open ocean crash near destination. Okay, that sounds like a pretty reasonable theory. Right. Uh, the official. Oh my gosh! This thing. Um, never mind. I can't read this because I need a National Geographic account to read it. Are you serious? So there you go. No, I am serious. Wow. National Geographic is screwing you. Yeah, on, no on your Amelia Earhart. We're never going to know, guys. What's we can other... never investigate Amelia Earhart because National Geographic is keeping it as a secret. Is this a government conspiracy? I think, are they part of it? Are they, they helped to disappear her? Is she still Hold alive? On. Theory two is the Nick of Morocco castaway. Um, I don't she know landed on Nick of Morocco Island. So um, that might be part of what I'm talking about, where they have a picture of a woman exactly like her that they pulled out of the water. And they have her sitting on a dock with her hands behind her back as like a prisoner. She was hmm. held captive, if you will. What? I, okay. Well, theory three, since I can't, I got to go quickly. The Marshall Islands conspiracy. Um, 
She headed to Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands and was taken hostage. That's, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one I'm Japanese thinking U.S. spies and killed. Hmm. Oh, yeah. She was killed. Yep. It seems very likely that she just crashed into the ocean and they never found her plane. I agree. I think that does seem likely. All right. Uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. So Kevin Smith, uh, all, all I was going to say is that he's doing a show, uh, a remake of He-Man. It's an animated or anime. Is it anime? Yes. I believe it is anime. Yeah. Um, he's doing a reboot and they have finished all voiceover stuff. All of the voice acting and everything is done for the whole show. All of the scripts, scripts are written. It's ready to rock. I believe it's called Masters of the Universe, right? Correct. Which is He-Man. Yes, but there was like different... There was Masters of the Universe, right? And then there was He-Man Masters of the Universe, I think. Or there was just He-Man, and then there was He-Man Masters of the Universe. I've never one of those two. I've never because been I a big it, He-Man guy, so I'm not. I have not. I have not either, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think there's additional content, like in comic books, that like from way after the cartoon, from when we were kids. That's more okay. Well, got more more of a mythology to it, but he, I, I don't know. So he talks about all of the people that he has doing voices, and it sounds amazing. And the the number one person is Mark Hamill. He talked a lot about Mark Hamill because he's Skeletor in this yes. uh, version and he was so they did all of these voiceovers through computers right because of the whole covid thing so he was watching people do their voiceover work over the internet and he's like he's like i sat at home watching tv shows like on on a tv you know watching like netflix or whatever and eating a bag of chips doing whatever i want while Mark Hamill is doing voiceover work for Skeletor. He's like, it was the best thing I have ever done in my life is sit and listen to Mark Hamill do voiceover work for the scripts that I have written and other people I know that have written this dialogue. He's like, I've sat here listening to him, but I've also been watching TV and eating chips at the same time. He's like, it was the best experience I've ever had. He said, I've had to do basically no work while this was going on because other people were putting it together and he was just listening to it and he gets to have Mark Hamill on his show. And I think that's incredible. And honestly, I think Mark Hamill has done 100% of his best work as voiceover stuff rather than actual acting. I agree. Yeah. And I'm excited about that show. And I don't know why, other than it's Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard too. I'm excited to just see what they, what they made there. So yeah. I'm totally in for it. I'm in for it too. But that was my last news story, Christopher. So All right, we are on to what we're watching. Yeah, and I get a bunch. I get a bunch of things. I got three. Uh, I got three things. So you all right, start. I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna start with a couple things that I'm currently watching that I don't necessarily want to talk a ton about because I'm not done watching it yet. Okay. But I started watching on Netflix, uh, the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. That's one of mine. And I finished it. Oh, you did finish it. I'm close to finishing it. So I feel like we can go ahead and talk about it because I've seen almost all the episodes. What I have realized is that 
I remember watching the this basketball team so much like I was so young watching these people. Yeah. And I remember Me too. it all. And I remember all of it. Yeah. I do too. And like BJ Armstrong was one of my favorite players on the Bulls team. I loved BJ Armstrong. And the only reason why was because he was short. And same with yeah, Steve. My Kerr. sister, my sister had a BJ Armstrong jersey. So did I. I had a BJ Armstrong jersey. I had his card. I had everything. I loved BJ Armstrong. And he finished playing for the Bulls in ninety five. That's the yeah. crazy part. I was eight in 95. You were yeah. significantly older. You were 22 at the time. And uh, did you catch that at all? No, I said you were 22. In yeah, 95. no. Oh, okay. I, was, I was 11. Oh, yeah. okay. I was only half off. But either way, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that it was that long ago that he got off the bulls. I thought he was on there like through 98. Apparently, I'm obviously very wrong, but I love that guy. Yeah, I do. I did find myself. That was one thing is sometimes I'd meld uh, some of the teams together or some of the players from one era to another era. Um, but for the most part, I remembered them pretty good. I I was uh, obviously everybody was really into the Bulls at that time. Yeah. But I was especially I collected all the newspaper clippings. I. Um, we sat down and watched every single game. We did too. Every game. Like me and my dad um, it was a, and my it was sister. What people did back then. We yeah. were so into it. And I just, and feel I like... collected basketball cards. So I had, I collected a lot of these people's cards, uh, like Horace Grant. I had a bunch yes. of his cards. Um, Steve Kerr too, as well. And Tony Kukoc and, and Jordan, of course I had a huge Jordan collection and other players throughout the league, like Isaiah Thomas and, um, but this show, like that had such a it shows you what the dynamic was between each player and and the coaches and the management and all that stuff and I didn't realize the whole turmoil between Tony Kukoc and the team um like when that all happened how far have you gotten into the into the show um not that far so okay well there is apparently and it all stems off of the olympic games like when the the oh, okay. dream team was there and Tony Kukoc was the star player for Croatia, obviously at the time. And they knew he was like number one guy in Croatia. So they kind of targeted him and like just pummeled him, you know, during those games, uh, during the first game that they played him, the second game, he came out like ready to go. And that's when the bulls realized like, all right, this is a guy that we need. Well, Jerry Krause was already like scouting him and they, felt kind of like undercut because Jerry Krause was spending so much time looking at this guy that they didn't think was even like Scotty Pippen said, I, I don't think he can even play in the NBA because he's, we just made him look like a boy, you know, in the first game. Right. Well, the second game he came out, played a lot better, but that dynamic of like interaction between players, you would never get when you watched them normally on tv at the time and seeing that inside yeah. stuff to me it is amazing. it's absolutely it's fascinating it's i was amazed by and i'm not like a huge sports guy but obviously i was everybody was really into the bulls back then and you know i'm probably more aware than most people but um i wouldn't consider myself like a huge sports guy especially basketball sure and i was surprised like how much i already knew 
not like I yeah. didn't. I still wanted to see it, and I still think it was presented in a way that was fascinating. And there was a lot of stuff I didn't know, but I was surprised by how much I remembered and how much I already knew. Um, but overall, I thought it was great. There were a couple episodes, especially early on, where I felt like it dragged or repeated itself a lot it and does. kind of dragged on and on. I don't necessarily um, like, like the format of how they did this because I don't like no. the fact that they go from um, 84 to 92 and then they like eventually get up to 92 and then they go to 98, 98 back to 92. And I don't like that. I wish they would have went in order and just just played the episodes you know, through the years instead of jumping back and forth because it doesn't really make any sense. For right. the show, like it, I don't understand why they did it that way. I I I totally agree. Um, that is distracting, and I find a lot of it can be a little bit repetitive. But at the end, it's still always very interesting, and I I think it's amazing to see the dynamic between the players. I thought it was really interesting to see a lot of Scotty Pippen's backstory. Yes. Um, from not only from his childhood. But then, like, how much he got screwed over by the Bulls that I didn't really even realize. Yeah, money. And like, wise. Uh, honestly, I mean, obviously, everybody's aware that he was an amazing player, and even at the time, it was like Jordan Pippen. I mean, I think that in the years after that, like Jordan kept getting elevated and elevated and elevated, but like everybody else stopped being talked about completely. Right. And but at the time, I think everybody was aware that Pippen was like right there. Yeah, you know, they were right there. But, you know, I was amazed to see what little respect he got um, by the organization and the, and the NBA in general. And the, um, the big thing that blew me away is that that what you're talking about, but also the fact that when Phil Jackson came in um, and again, I don't know if you're this far into the show, but when when they brought Phil Jackson in as the head coach and started using like the triangle offense and all of this stuff. They, yeah, I'm past that, but okay. So they, they took it away where like the original offense was like, all right, this play is designed to get the ball to Jordan. And at the end of this play, it's designed to get the ball to Jordan. And at the end of this play, it's designed to get the ball to Jordan. Phil Jackson completely removed that. And it was kind of a learning curve for Michael yeah big time to that say was a like, very interesting episode all right i've got to start using my team as you know just as much as what i'm using myself like i have to understand that the ball can go to the team and they can help me and that's where everything changed i think and it was pretty cool to see because like i said when you just watched the team on tv at the time we did you don't see any of that inside stuff you don't know about it and you don't know how they feel about it and seeing Jordan say, like, I was way too selfish to, to do that at the time. And then all of a sudden, my mindset started to change when they could actually make a shot. And it was like in a game against the Pistons where he was, it was designed to get the ball to John Paxson. And they're like, get the ball to Paxson because, you know, he's going to be the one that's open. Because he said, who's the one that's open at the end of this play every time? Paxson is. All right, mm-hmm. we'll get the ball to Pax. And they did that, and he made made a shot, and that's where Jordan was like, oh, okay. He's like, he's going to make that. And they get it to him every time, and he'd make the shot, and he'd make the shot. And that's where everything started to change, where I can use my team to an advantage right? You know, within the grand scheme of Michael Jordan being the best player in the basketball at the time. 
just really fun. And it, it just brought me back to my childhood. I'm huge on nostalgia. I say it almost every single episode we've ever had of Snarf Talk. And then Grady yeah. sitting there on the couch and I'm telling him like, Grady, I saw this. Like I saw this all happen. I was, I was at three games in between 97 and 98. Like I, I went to these, I saw them. This, I don't know. It, it blows me away because I remember my dad saying the same thing about certain things. Like, oh, I saw these guys play. I saw this guy play. And it didn't weigh on me as a child, but now, right? I don't know. It's it's really fun. I'm really glad they made this because I think it's incredible. It, yeah, I think it's great. Um, I loved watching it, and it does very much connect you back to your childhood in a, in a good way. And doesn't it I'm blow not... you away that we were alive and saw this specific time frame of yeah. sports that? Will probably well, especially especially what this ultimately this documentary is filming is the ninety eight season right ninety is ninety seven or ninety eight whatever ninety eight because it's it, Phil had a name for every season that he coached and he coached when he coached the ninety eight season he labeled it the last dance right so, so it is based around I that. mean depending on whenever that season is I was either an eighth grade or a freshman in high school but um. No, I would have been in high school, I guess. So, yeah, I very much remember. You were in high school? Yeah, I graduated in 2002. So, <sighs> wow. the fall of 98 would have been my freshman year. 98, 99. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know how the basketball seasons lie. So, I don't know. It very much, I could have been, you know, the spring of my eighth grade year, too. But, um, point, point of is, I, I, keenly remember that especially um it's i kind of amazed because i felt like i remembered the early 90s stuff more than the the last championship or the last two you know like with rodman yeah i totally remember that but i do remember more i feel like i remember more like the early 90s stuff for whatever reason well i i mean yeah you you probably would um i don't I do remember the early stuff because of, like I said, B.J. Armstrong. I remember always loving B.J. Armstrong, so I know. John Paxson, I mean, you remember him? He was only there until 92, 94, I don't know, I I don't remember him as much as I do B.J. Armstrong, which who ended in 95. So I know I know the the beginning of this story and the early Mm -hmm. 90s era, but the 96, 97, 98 Bulls are the Bulls that I was very much involved with and yeah. like i said it went to went to basketball games and saw them and watched them like religiously all the time on nbc as soon as it would be aired i would be there watching it you know what i was struck by on this um documentary more than anything i remember at the time like at the end of his michael jordan's career um you know what this is about basically yeah I remember thinking at the time, like, yes, he's getting too old for basketball. Like, I remember everybody thinking that. Yes. But you watch this and you don't think that at all. You're like, oh, my God, he's still in his prime. Yeah, that's a big thing is that he still had years to go. But I do remember at the time and maybe it was just the media and remembering the media at the time. But I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, he's only got you know, he's not, uh, it, it was he's not only, at the top of his game anymore. It was only 14 years right? that he was in basketball. 
he was in well it it's actually longer than that because he comes back for the wizards but um right. for the bulls but not for very long i don't think no but he did play in the 2000s oh really yeah i think it was like 2002 is when he or 2003 when he actually like quit basketball oh, okay um yeah. You know, if you're going to 98, that's only 14 years from 1984, his rookie year, to 98 when he finally quit. The Bulls, anyway. Um, I think what you find out through this, I think what you ultimately see through this is the fact that it was a whole team. You know what I mean? It was a whole team. It was driven by Michael Jordan. Yeah. But like it was a very much a specifically planned and laid out team. One thing I didn't know anything about was Phil Jackson. Really. I didn't know anything about him yeah. for the most part. Yep. And he was interesting to learn about too. And Rodman and, and Rodman and his uh, relationship with Jordan was very interesting yes. to hear about. It's very good. I highly recommend it for sure. Absolutely. I'm on the same page. Next. Next. Um, I'm just going to quickly, briefly talk about this because I, we talked about HPL max earlier i did watch uh i started watching an old movie that has one of my favorite movies of all time and i just thought i'd bring it up because i started watching it again and it is just as good as i remember i think everybody should go out there and watch princess mononoke they have oh, on yes. hbo max they have all the studio whatever you call it ghibli ghibli yeah. films so like um spirited away um is a very good one but i rewatched princess mononoke and forgot how freaking awesome that movie is Uh, and And i've never seen it so you need to check it out and it's on hbo max so check it out well i don't have hbo max chris because they don't accept my email address well you should just make a new account that's stupid you you, you'll get it for a huge discount because you're a dc member not with a different email address, I won't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, you get a code from DC. Okay. They don't have to be under the same email address. Anyway, beside the point. Um, real quickly, I'm going to talk about uh, another. I did watch The Old Guard, but I'm going to wait till next week to talk about it because by then you will have seen okay, it. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely see it by then. Over um, the weekend, I'll watch it. I got some opinions about it. That's for sure. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a couple things I started watching on YouTube that I've quickly become obsessed with. Um, I know you know what these are, and I'm going to sound like an idiot because I know these are big things, okay. but I've never really watched them before. All right. Uh, Good Mythical Morning with yes. Rhett and Link. Yeah. I've never really watched it before. I've seen them before, but I've never watched the show. Yeah. And it is a delight. Isn't it? This is what we need to become. I know. It's amazing. They're amazing. I absolutely love this show. It's so fun and positive and not for any specific reason. And they're not like super funny or anything in it, but they are sometimes. They, They can be. Absolutely. I just watched two videos of them today where they were doing like Oreo reviews and they were eating Oreos of all different flavors. And then it's they were great, doing, man. and then I watched one that I didn't bring up earlier and I should have is about hot dogs. They were eating different styles of hot yep. dogs. I watched, that, I watched that one too. Yeah. yeah. And th- th- they're very fun. 
Well, I've watched an obscene amount of them over the last probably week, and I I can't get enough of them. I love their show. I love everything that they're, they're doing over there. So, and I did. I, you know, I thought about that many times. I'm like, I don't. I want to do this. This is amazing. This yeah. looks like so much fun. And I but it you, also looks like a lot of production value goes into that show. Yes. So it. That's what I was gonna say. Like this show has evolved big time over the years to where it went from being like a small podcast uh, YouTube thing that they were doing on their own to this huge production. Um, they've yeah. apparently they, got they, all the monies now. Yeah, I I seen one episode when they did like a back back room thing of their studio. It's huge. It's like a warehouse. I mean, with like tons of people working there. Yeah, they have multiple so. people working for their their business now. I I mean, it, it's evolved into a big thing. And Yeah. But if you look at like some of their earlier videos and earlier stuff, um they were small time guys that just wanted to create something and they did that and they were very successful at it because yeah. they had an original idea of being them. Like that's all yeah. it is. Well, anyway, I highly recommend it because it's so fun and positive and really does like, there's like no way you can't be happy watching them. Right. So, and that's what we want to uh, do. And there's another one I've been watching on YouTube that's, it's from Screen Rant, which I know they do a lot of videos, mm-hmm. but it's this one guy and he does pitch meetings. I don't know if you've seen his really? pitch no. meetings. They're like, uh, they're like joke recaps of a movie, like what it would be in the pitch, in the pitch meeting yeah. when the studio guys explain it to creator. And he's just really funny. And the reason I saw it is because he did one for Rise of Skywalker. And so okay. he does, it's called the Rise of Skywalker pitch meeting. So look it up. It's very funny. And it's basically just like him trying to explain the plot to the studio executive and them being like, well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and they've done, he, he, he's done hundreds of them. And then I watched a bunch of other ones he's done. I watched him do uh, season eight of Game of Thrones. I watched him do John Wick, all different kinds of movies. I, and I, they're just super, super funny. I literally just spoke on this. Last episode, uh, episode 85, top 20 uh, comedy movies of the 80s. And what I said was like explaining a movie or trying to pitch a movie or anything, like anything we've written, whatever it is, when you write it down and then try to pitch that, it sounds ridiculous regardless of what you've written. You can explain in words any movie you've ever seen. And when you actually speak it out, it sounds ridiculous without having seen it. So if you try to explain Star Wars, you try to explain, like, try to explain Avatar to somebody in words and be like, well, all right. So this guy, he, like, they put him in a tube and he, and, and he falls asleep and he goes in this different world, right? And then there's, like, these blue cats. But they're not really cats. They're people. But they have this long tail. And the way they have sex or, like, meet each other is they put their tails together and they all intertwine. That's ridiculous. Like, saying right. that out loud is ridiculous. And trying to pitch that to somebody sounds ridiculous. So that's why you can't. You can't be super judgmental on what somebody is going to say. So if you and I write something and we ex- explain it to someone, what I'm saying is don't be super judgmental off the bat because it could be something really great. You just haven't seen it right. yet. 
you know, and you have to have that open mind to understand what the concept is before you ever physically see it drawn, uh, videoed, you know, made in any sense of the word. And it's, that's hard to do. So pitches can sound really stupid, really yeah. stupid. Well, this is kind or of like funny. a back doorway of making fun of movies with a lot of plot holes, basically. But I enjoy it, so check it out. They're called Pitch Meetings. Check out the Rise of Skywalker one. It's very good. Um, so there's two more I know I've got. There's one that I know we both watched. Is there something else that you have, too? Or no, um, just the one left? Well, and I've been watching The Last Kingdom. So I've been okay, still trucking along. Okay, that's one I was going to talk about. So I don't know how much you want to get into Last Kingdom because you're still watching it. So maybe we'll just hold off on that. Other than to say I finished it. Um, I know you're like only on season two, right? Right. Yep. Um, I absolutely loved it. I will tell everybody I'll shout from the rooftops. It's one of the best shows I've watched in a long time. Yes, it can be a little over drama sometimes, a little soap opera at other times. But it's a very well-made show with great action, good characters, great acting. And I will go on a limb and say I liked it more than Game of Thrones. I'm not going to lie. And at this point, you aren't the only person that have said that. Like, we have avid listeners of the show that have said the same thing, that they like this show better than Game of Thrones. I'm at the point where I'm very fresh into it. Um, But honestly, I don't think... Like production value wise, even though I've only finished the first season, started the second season, production value wise, I still think it's just as good. They don't have any CGI, but they don't need it. It's all like, right. you know, very personal, like in your face type of a show. And the action sequences that I've seen are very, very good. I mean, they don't, they oh, yeah. don't over, it's not over the top action. You see these, but it's still large scale armies of Vikings and Englishmen coming together and fighting. And I think the way they've done it is very good without having to do a bunch of CGI to where it looks like better or bigger than what it is. Like this is, it seems realistic to me. It does. It seems realistic. And that's what I love about it. It, It'll be like battles between 50 and 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or when they talk about a huge grand army, they're talking about a thousand people. Which and that's like is a grand army at that time. Right, exactly. So that's why I really like it. It seems more realistic and more in scale. I was really pleasantly surprised that most of the characters are actual historically factual characters. Actual people, yes. And I've looked up a lot of their histories and uh, like on Wikipedia. And they're very similar to the show. Yes. Yeah, so you and uh, Erica Fry were talking about this in a, in a Facebook message and you were saying these names and I was like, man, you know, I'm not that far into the show, so maybe I just don't know them. But so, so I started looking up the names or what I thought was like, maybe I didn't catch all these people in the first season, you know? Right. So I started looking up the names and it was coming up Wikipedia pages of the actual people in real life. And that's when I realized, right. like, oh, shit, like this show did a lot more in-depth type stuff than I, than I ever knew. Um, yeah, a lot of the characters and the politics are, like, true to the time. 
the countries, the locations, they're all true. I mean, it's still obviously fiction show. But but, but like uh but to be fair, if you're going to judge it against um like a Game of Thrones type show, Game of Thrones is much more science fiction, right? Like oh, it's for fake. sure. Yeah, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy know. world. This is based in reality. This is again based off of real people. So there is a little bit of a difference. It's set in a same type of time frame um, or setting is the same, but you know, there's no dragons involved. There's no, there, there, no real magic to per se uh, that I guess I, that I've seen so far. I don't, I, you can talk about that a little bit better than I can. Yeah. I mean, no, it's more based in reality. There, I mean, there is magical elements, but nothing any different than what Very would exist slight. in. Yeah. Yeah, but just nothing other than what what exists in reality. I mean, it would basically be like, you know, uh, science that's veiled as magic because right. that's their only understanding of it. Or medicine, like they might have a witch that can make a potion out of wormwood that saves yes. somebody's life. I tell but, you, you know, what, that's that like wormwood. Aspirin, you know, if I could get a hold of some wormwood, I think it'd cure a lot of my ailments. That's what you make absinthe out of. Well, I know yeah. I don't have any absinthe here, and it's illegal in the United States to make it the right way. I think you can get it now, but anyway, the real the real stuff. I think Isn't I don't know THC if you can get in it? real stuff. No, no THC. It's wormwood. It's made out of wormwood. No, I know, but you can get the stuff with wormwood in it. But I thought there was like a, I thought there was like a THC element to it. They. I've had absinthe, real absinthe in Germany. Of course you have. Uh, I was very intoxicated, so I don't remember Did a lot of that. Did you see any like, little floating fairies in front of you? I didn't or... see any fairies or anything. They mm. say there's hallucinogenic properties. I kind of wa- want to doubt that. But anyway, um, Last Kingdom. I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, that's the one thing I like about this show. Um, it's very, it's the politics. Yeah, it's a lot of politics of, you know, kingdoms and how they're formed and held together and alliances and treachery as far as that. And so it's a very political show, which I think is interesting for the time period. But I don't want that to, like, scare anybody off and say it's politics like today's day and age. Like, no, don't, no, no. don't think it, of it as politics in a negative sense like today. No, and that's one of the things I liked about Game of Thrones too, was it was very political based. A lot of, you know, strategy, and yes. that's how this is too. And anyway, I think it's great. I don't, I don't see how anybody wouldn't like it. Do you so think I in would like a hundred years they're gonna have TV shows that are, you know, fake made up TV shows, but are based off of politics like today? Oh yeah, for sure. Do you think that? Like, I mean, we have where, movies about the 1960s and the 50s all the time. I know. We constantly but, are watching World War II stuff. You know what I mean? But I'm talking about like this, like this type of show being that far out to where we never knew anything about it besides in the history books. You know, like we still have people that were alive in the 60s. We still have people alive that were from World War II. So that's relatively like based in reality where people can say yes or no, that's accurate or not. But what I'm saying well, is see, like, I don't know because so far in the future, 
they base a show off of what they've read in a book about polit- politics today. Like, how's that going to yeah. look? Well, one issue is that, um, you know, one issue is when we're watching The Last Kingdom, we're like talking about, I understand that it takes place in a certain time frame, but they're like spanning a hundred years or more <laughs> of historical yeah. time frame to make one show. So spanning a hundred years right now is like going from World War One to now. Right. Like so much has changed. So much is different. You know what I mean? So if yeah, you had that, to distill that is, that's hard to do. If you had to distill the essence of the majority of our life, so the last two decades, if you had to distill something out of that that would have value to somebody five thousand years from now or five not five thousand years from now. Yeah. I mean, what would that be? I mean, I guess the whole Middle Eastern conflict would be really the only thing that stands out, you know, as a. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I get get it. You're right. That that would be it. But I think the story right there, that far in the future, like the story would be the advancement of technology through the years. I think the advancement of technology from the early 1900s until now would be what you'd base that off of. And you could have the same person as the main character from the 20s to even the 2000s, you know? Yeah. And say, like, look, you know, the story would be like, look at what he's lived his life through and the advancements. And if he was, like, in politics or whatever, like, the change in politics from the 20s to now, that'd that'd be an interesting story. Yeah. So Uhtred, the main character in The Last Kingdom, actually was a real person. Um, but oh, I didn't and actually that. was from the same place that they said he's from. But he actually existed like a hundred years after King Alfred. Okay. But so how's that possible? Is that like his kids? Or uh like the actual no, character I, I they're don't. basing it off of is the character they're basing it off of. No, just the character they based it off of actually came like a hundred years after. He wouldn't they wouldn't have been in the same time frame, him and Alfred. Wow. Um but whatever. It's a great show and I think everybody should watch it. So we it's went amazing. on a we went on a little pontoon cruise last Saturday. Um and Chris probably said this five hundred times was Uhtred, son of Uhtred. Every oh, yeah. conversation it's, was like, oh, like Uhtred, son of Uhtred. That's <laughs> because it's stuck in my head. I was laughing. Because they say it so much in the show. I know. They say it nonstop. But I was just laughing so hard. Like, nobody else there knew anything of what you were talking about. And you had to explain it to everyone. But I was on the boat, and I heard you say it like four times. And Amy's like, what is he talking about? But I was like, you know what he's talking about. You started watching the show. She's like, is he talking about Last Kingdom? I said, yes, he is talking about Last Kingdom. But nobody else knew what you were talking about, but you kept saying it, and it made me laugh so hard. Because <laughs> it's like, not a single person knows what you're talking about. They think you're just, like, spouting off gibberish. Well, whatever. <laughs> That's how I live most of my life, Jerry. It was, well, you made me very happy, and I appreciate it. <laughs> 
All right, so we got one more thing. We're running out of time. We got one more thing to talk about, um, I believe, unless you got something else. No, I have nothing Um, else. We both watched, uh, and I told you about this movie, I think, a couple weeks ago. I saw it. It was coming out on Hulu. I was really excited about it because it's it's called Palm Springs. Yeah, you told me about it, and uh, I had literally watched it the very next day after we talked about it on the podcast. I watched it the next day, and... uh, I asked you if we would watch it. You said no, so we didn't talk about it in the in the next episode. Plus, we didn't have any time. Right. So I did end up watching it. Um, I am a huge Andy Samberg fan for the most part. I love Brooklyn Nine Nine and pretty much everything that he's in. I'm a fan of, to be honest. Yep. Um, and I liked some of the other actors I saw in the trailer, and I was a little at first. I was a little bummed that they kind of jacked the groundhog day um idea because it is one of my favorite movies of all time i've said that a million times i love groundhog day i think it's a genius movie um but then i kind of got over it before i even watched it i'm like you know what who cares i mean they knew what they were doing everybody knows what they're doing mm-hmm. it would have been cool if they would have made a reference to it but whatever it's not like there hasn't been other things too, other movies and other stories that have had a similar idea. So it's very much different enough from Groundhog Day that I don't even see the it it really bears no relevance. That's what but. I was gonna say is that yes, it's the same premise of Groundhog's Day, right? Where they are reliving the same day over and over again. But there are some significant differences and then the dynamic between him and the girl that's involved I think are very yes. good. I like the fact that they bring in this girl. I like the fact that you see her starting. Well, I like the fact that they have, uh, this is spoilers by the way, too. I'm sorry if you've already been, spoiled, we should have but, said that at the beginning, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So I like the fact that Andy Sandberg has been living in this life so long that he doesn't even know how old he is at this point. Right. Like he's been stuck in this loop for so long he has no idea the like what time is she gets into it and he's basically guiding her through this process saying like yeah you can kill yourself but you're going to wake up tomorrow in the same spot you don't want to be in a situation where you die in the ICU because that's a terrible thing pain is a real deal in this world and you're going to feel it like i like that but then i also like the dynamic where they get like they have a relationship and they get to know each other and they get feelings for each other. Like I love that stuff. I'm a sappy dude. I love anything that's sappy. And I like the full circle type story there where it's like, they don't like each other. There's an aspect of, you know, lying and it drives them apart and they end up coming back to each other because that's all they have. I like uh, JK Simmons's part. Like the randomness of that dude showing up because he's so Andy Samberg has multiple people living in this loop with him that he's done essentially like uh, J.K. Simmons is the first person that ended up being in the same loop as him. And it was because of Andy Samberg saying like, hey, follow me into this weird light pit. And he did. And then that guy resented him forever and has been murdering him ever since. (laughs) Like just popping up in random places and killing him. It doesn't 
make a difference in their lives because they always come back to life. But like he said, pain's a real thing. And this dude has been torturing me for years. And then going to visit him at his house and seeing his kids and like getting his backstory. I don't know. I like a lot of that stuff. Um, I thought that was odd. I didn't really think that fit the character when they went back to his like suburban life. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. For, for JK estab- Simmons. how you establish that, yes, for sure. I get but that. But whatever, it's not that relevant to it at all. But there's so. really no basis for that character to begin with. The only basis for the character is that he met him at a wedding, and then that's all he knows about him is what he was like at that wedding. Like, I act right, a lot different at a wedding. doesn't I seem to jive. Well, that's true, but, well, whatever the case is. It was I, like an escapism thing for him. So he escaped yeah. to this wedding and acted however he wanted. But he has this life that he ended up realizing, like, I'm okay with this. I'm like, I'm happier here than I am doing whatever I was doing then. That's right. what I got out of it. It's like he wanted to escape his reality of this suburban life go to the wedding, like just get blasted and party and do whatever he wanted. But after the fact that he was stuck in this reality, he came back and said, I'm happy with this. Like I'm good sitting on my back porch, watching my son do the same trick or the same game or whatever over and over again. I love this. Like that's what I get out of that. It is weird though in the movie. I'm really happy that you so thoroughly enjoyed this movie jerry because i wanted to like it as much as you did i really did really but you're basing it way too hard off of groundhog's day and it's not groundhog's no day. no i'm not i'm not i just honestly i i thought it was fine i'm not i'm not saying i didn't like it i didn't find it to be anywhere as near as groundbreaking as what i expected it to be i expected it to be a lot better than what it was just from what I had heard, it's got like a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 91 or two audience score to both of them. And uh, my only main problem with it was there really was like no likable characters. Like Andy Samberg's character was not a likable character. You don't why? Like why, just, why? Well, he was just kind of a, a miserable asshole like throughout most of the movie. He just wasn't like a fun, happy character. I mean, not saying it has to be to make it. Uh, it doesn't have to be a fun, happy character. I just didn't find him to be a likable character. I mean, well, I don't know. So the pleasure, like what gave me a moment of like it, what made me happy was the fact that so he was miserable because of the time frame he was in. Like he just was like doing the same thing over and over again, anybody would get miserable in that situation, right? But then the fact that when he realized that this girl is now stuck in it and they found each other and he realized like, oh, she's she's in this loop. And when they'd wake up in the morning and you'd see him laying on the pillow and she'd be laying on in her bed and whatever, um, and you see him wake up and they're kind of like, all right, let's do this today. Yeah, but that didn't happen for very long. It was the main part of the middle of the story. It was the it was the second act of the story where they were waking up being yeah. happy with each other. And I enjoyed that because you saw you saw that bright spot in his life saying that like it was something different for him finally after who knows how many years of t- amount of time 
that he spent doing the exact same thing every day, trying to make something different and feel something. This is the first time he's felt something real in such a long time. And then it did take a drastic turn because he lied to her, you know, and, and she didn't know any different because this is the first part. Like these are the first days you see of her living this life. She's coming into it being miserable because she's like, I I can't not necessarily miserable, but scared. Like I can't live this way. Like we can't do this. I didn't find her to be much of a likable character either, to be honest with you. That's that was kind of my main issue with the story is I didn't really find any of the main characters to be particularly enjoyable. Um, I mean, it was fine story wise, but I don't know. I just I just had a hard time, harder time connecting with it. Yeah, I guess so. Just because I looked at it from each individual perspective, like if you look at it from Andy Sandberg, he's looking at it like I've done this for 100 years. She's done this for two days. Like it's two different perspectives. They have. I think two by the outlooks. end of it, I mean that is always what's interesting. Um, I know there's like a big debate on how many years Bill Murray was in Groundhog Day loop. Yep, it's like tens of thousands of years, right? I think we talked about it before. Yes. Um, and you could tell Andy Samberg's been in it a very long time, but I bet you even by the end of it, after she's already in it, and then she's disappeared for, I bet that could have been decades, you know, or longer. You know, you don't really know. It could have that been. she was disappearing and going and studying quantum physics and all that stuff. Yes, and I mean, they that make could have that been hundreds of years. They kind of make, make it that seem a, like a short a, amount of time. Yeah, a quick portion of the movie, but you're right. It, and I do believe it was a long time because if you like reading the Andy Samberg character, it was like he was wondering where she was at for a while, and then all of a sudden he gave up hope because it had been so long, you know. Right. And I do believe it was a long time that they didn't see each other. And then when they, it was awkward when they ran back into each other, finally found each other. It was an awkward scenario because she was like, listen, this is what we have to do. If you want to leave with me, that's fine. But if not, well, whatever, I'm going this day. And he had to think about it for a minute. Like it's either I'm dead or I can do this again tomorrow. And he had to think about what, which one he wanted to do. Which is that crazy was also very, a very weird thing to me was like her immediacy at the end. Like, I'm going to do it right now and I don't really care what you do and I don't really care what the other guy does. I mean, obviously she leaves a message and obviously he ends up coming to her, but she was going to do it regardless. Yeah. And like to her and, and must be fully realizing that she's the only one that can get any them out of this. I don't the think whole it's thing that. seemed very selfish. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have a different take on that again. Like, I don't see it as being. It is selfish. Yes. But I don't take it as being like, she's the only one that can do this. I take it as being like, this is my only option. My only option is either being like him stuck in this reality forever or having it out by either dying or getting out of the loop. And she's like you and I right now just discussing this have two different mindsets on what the movie is. So in that situation, there's going to be two different mindsets on what you need to do. There's one person that's going to say, take the safer option. There's one person that's going to be the more extreme option. 
Right. I myself I'm talking about am the more extreme option. You know, all I'm talking about is the immediacy of it to be like, I'm going and I'm going right now. Like I just showed up. I haven't seen you in so long. I just showed up. We're going, we're I'm going, I'm going tonight. This is your only like, Jesus Christ, give them a week to think about it. You know what I mean? Well, again, though, we don't know how long it's been that they've seen each other. If it is 10 years, it could have been 10 years to where she was like, listen, I haven't seen you. I've lost a connection. Uh, we, we don't know each other. I'm ready to go. Either you're coming with her or you're not. I can kind right. of understand that. Yeah, but do you think they at least go get the other guy? Yes. You, yeah, you absolutely would think that. And they never did. Um, no, but obviously they called them or whatever. But, you know, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I did think it was interesting at the end. I thought. Um, I like how they ended it. I do. I like how they ended it because I got the feeling that they did cease to exist at that point. Like they died. No, they got out. Yes. No, I don't think they got out. I think no, they, they died. They prove it. No, not necessarily. When he goes back and meets Andy Samberg, Andy Samberg is prepared to go to the wedding for the first time. I know, because so he got out of the loop. They unstuck the loop, but the, the, the people that lived in that loop for 100 years that acquired all those experiences, those people ended. Well, I understand. And it reset, so it reset the loop that. because they got out of it. And the reason you know that is because at the end, everything was happening on November 9th. And then when they're floating in the pool, those people come to their own oh, pool. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, and they you're said, 100% right. And they, yes. and they were like, what are you doing in my pool? And he's like, oh, apparently they get home on the 10th. Yep, you're 100% right. I forgot about that. So how does it work with Roy? When he goes back and sees Andy Samberg's character at the wedding, so and this Andy is a, Samberg has no. This is a it's timeline. An alternate timeline, right? It's a timeline, okay. right? So he jumps out of that timeline, goes back to reality, and in the loop that he's stuck in, the Andy Samberg character no longer exists. It's the original person that was in the that was there, <laughs> so he doesn't have oh, those yeah. memories. So it's he's like, still in that loop because so if he, he kills himself. Is he going to be back in the world with? The correct Andy Samberg? Yes. So they they must have, I can only assume, that they jumped to the the real timeline of their lives stemming from that uh from that wedding. Like they've jumped ahead yes. from that wedding into the real timeline. But that timeline still exists and it's still a loop because they were at that wedding, so that person still exists in that memory, right? Like Andy was Andy Samberg's character was at the wedding. The other girl was at that wedding. So in that loop, they're still always going to be there because they were it actual seems to people me that like were there. If they were going to blow up that cave. It would end the loop for everybody. They didn't blow up the cave. They blew themselves up within that time jump. It's like right. a, okay. It's almost like a black hole. You, so they go in a black hole, and as soon as they enter the black hole, they blow it up. Don't, they, doesn't it seem to make sense to you that that would be that would end it for everybody? You would think that, but it doesn't erase the past. Right. No, I'm not saying it erases the past, but it seems like 
it would have kicked uh, Roy out too. No, because since it doesn't erase the past of those memories, right? So that timeline still exists. So all they're doing is like they're jumping. So if you think of it as two lines and they're trying to jump across those lines, like whatever they do to blow it up makes them go over to the original line that they were living to begin with before they got in the loop. That line still exists Yeah, like where they were at because it is a memory. It really did happen. It is a timeline. It's part of the simulation, as you would call it, mm-hmm. right? It's always going to be there. That guy that's living inside of it as Roy, since he was at the wedding and all those other people are at the wedding, that's still there and he's still stuck in it. But the Andy Sandberg character that doesn't really make sense, I guess, in a way, is that his memories are now erased and he's the original person that was there on day one of the wedding. Right. I mean, yes, that's why I mean, uh, it's so confusing. It is time. So it's like time if stuff you put is... down a mat, Jerry, and you wrote different conclusions on them and you jumped to the conclusions be like a jump to conclusions, man. <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> I'm not jumping to any conclusions. I'm just telling you. No, this is I'm how just time works. The office space. Yeah, I know. No, I get it. It just it is goofy when you talk about timeline things, but that's all I can assume. That's 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 what I assume of the movie is that since they jump to the real timeline. You know, and that's the way they played it is that it erased all of the memories and stuff that guy had being stuck in it and it reset him to day one because he's no longer there. So when he kills himself, then blows himself up, he'll be on the 10th with the other two. The next, they'll all be aware of each other. So what happens to the alternate timeline? It just keeps spinning around in infinity over in the corner. Apparently. Yeah. I guess, but it doesn't matter because nobody knows they're stuck in it. Right. Because it's like a memory. So, right. You know, it's just a memory of what happened. The weird part is, is like once they jump out of that timeline and they go to the, their normal real timeline, they shouldn't technically have any memory of what has happened before. They yeah, shouldn't, I don't know. They shouldn't have a connection with each other. They shouldn't know each other. It should be based off of what happened on that day. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So them floating in the pool at the end and knowing each other and saying it's the day after the wedding technically doesn't make sense because if anybody knows about time jumping, it's me. What if there's two of them, two each of them? There could be. If there's two of them, they can't meet each other. No. It'd be... The universe would have to implode on itself. It would implode on itself, and it would ruin everything in the future and the past. Right. Well, I don't know, but I I did like the movie. I mean, I, I feel like I'm shitting at it too much, but I'm just saying I did. I don't think I I loved it as much as everybody that else that I've talked to. I just didn't. I don't know. I wanted to like it more. I should say that. And to be fair, uh, I always talk highly of a lot of things. At the end of that movie, when it ended, Amy and I watched it together. I was like, huh. All right. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, it was all right. 
And she said the same thing. And then we went to bed. But the more yeah. I thought about it, the more I've enjoyed it, I guess. I've yeah. never went back and watched it again. Um, I probably don't see myself anytime soon. Talking back on it, I think I think more fondly of it than I did while I watched it. Yeah. So I understand your point where it wasn't super likable characters because during the time of me watching it, I guess I really wasn't like, I don't know. I didn't really agree with a lot of the stuff they did. Like I said, in the second act where they were very happy with each other and they did very happy things, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I like this. Well, that's I think that was ultimately my problem with it. Like it, it was the characters weren't very likable, and like it tried to be a comedy, but it's not that funny. And then it well, tries parts to be that it, are funny. There are parts that are funny, but it's not that funny. You yeah. know, it's not like super funny. Yeah, it's not like laugh out loud. So, try to be a comedy, not that funny. Sometimes it tries to be a drama, but it a lot of it, a lot of it, it tried to be a drama. It doesn't work well doesn't for that. Work. It tries to be a romantic comedy at p- times. And at the never end of the really day, that's that what I would threshold. I would label it as a romantic comedy at the end of the day. I think that is what it is labeled, right? I, I'm not sure, but you know, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Me personally, I would tell people to watch it. I think it's worth watching. I think it's enjoyable enough to say, like, I would recommend you watching this movie as something on a weekend that if you're looking for something to do or something to watch, like, yes, turn this on, watch it. I think it's worth it myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, fair enough. I I can't argue that point. So that's all I got for what I've been watching. I mean, other than the old guard, but I'm, I'm going to wait and talk about that next week after you've seen it, because it would be a lot better discussion once you having, once you have seen it. Yes, I agree. We will uh, we'll put a pin in it for this. Week. Yeah. Um, for this week on Snarf Talk, I've been Chris. I am Jerry. See ya. Bye.